on this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we're trying to not just be a good podcast, but a great podcast. That's right. We saw Free Guy. Get your popcorn ready. My whole life, I felt like there had to be something more. And then I saw you. I was right. I have to tell you something really important. Oh my God, are you married? No. Oh, God. Lord, it would have been like the worst thing ever. Maybe not the worst thing. Guy, this world, it's a video game. And in two days, the game is going to shut down. What if we can save it? This is the first time I've ever driven a car. I really wish you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Free Guy, rated PG-13. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I had a uh, solid weekend. Got to nice. sneak out and and uh, and see this, which is which was great and uh, a pleasant surprise, which I know we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, doing well. Yeah, free. We're talking free guy this weekend or this this particular episode came out this last weekend, and this is one that's you know this one was kind of unique for for a number of things. I mean, obviously the production of it, you know, COVID and and, and all the delays and, and things like that. Like that that's one thing, but like. This started at 20th Century Fox, um, and that was before Disney bought Fox. So this was one. This was one that was in production as Disney bought it and continued continued production. And um, it's one that they continued obviously to support. It's one that they continued to see value in. There are some things in it that I think maybe wouldn't have happened. And we'll talk about that in spoilers later, but there are some things in it that I don't think would have happened had the, uh, had the Disney purchase gone through, but this was originally supposed to come out 4th of July weekend, 2020. And then it got bumped back. It got bumped back. It got bumped back. And then it finally got released, you know, August 13th. And unlike, you know, what seems to be popular right now, it is only available to go see in theaters right now. It is not on Disney Plus for premiere access. It is not on another streaming service right now. And so it feels like, and, and you know, that was true of some other movies that we talked about. It was true of things like, you know, Fast and Furious 9 and whatnot. But for some reason, it feels like for the first time in a while, we're talking about a, a fairly large summer blockbuster that is only available for you to go see in movie theaters right now. And so weirdly kind of unique um but yeah how'd you how'd you how'd you like all of that how'd you like like did you feel any type of pressure or anything like that yeah i think so a a couple things obviously it did really well this weekend uh exceeded expectations well uh i think it did 50 million worldwide over 50 million worldwide 28 domestically which is fantastic compared to what it was projected to do. And, and so I think for me, I think what's exciting about, you know, what this process brought, and obviously this is the first Fox property that, as you said, that Disney released, I thought it was, it was great to see. And and who knows what led to it. Maybe there was contractually obligated Disney was to release it um, the way that they did. But regardless, I think, my hope is, you know, Disney sees the success that it had in doing it this way, you know, because we are, we're only getting 45 days because in 45 days, it'll go on to uh, Disney Plus. And so, you know, it's got a 45 day window in here. But I think that to me, like that feels like maybe where we're headed long term is sure. this kind of sweet spot of we're going to give it 45 days in the theaters. Most movies come the 45 day mark have gotten into kind of a lull box office wise, like, don't get me wrong. Some movies are still pulling in, you know, 5 million or 8 million or some of the really big ones maybe are still doing double digits, 
but most of them have settled down. And I would say the vast majority of movies probably are in like the two to 3 million. And this is pre pandemic. Uh, but I think what we might kind of settle into is we're going to give it its box office run 45 days on there. And then we're going to transition it to the streaming sites to hopefully get some signups and some, some revenue that way, while it's still relatively new that people are willing to pay for it. And it wasn't so far out in the future that someone feels obligated to go to the theater. Some people will say, you know what, I'm fine waiting 45 days and watching it then. Um, Cause even like, you know, I think you look at like jungle cruise when you and I obviously saw that that was what last week's podcast was, or um, one of the recent podcasts that we did was on jungle cruise. But yeah. like this, this weekend we talked, I talked with my wife about, do we want to stream jungle cruise with the kids and watch, watch that as like, we do like a weekend movie usually on Friday or Saturday. And she's like 30 bucks. No way. Like <laughs> we'll just wait for it to be free in a, in a month or so. And so I think people are willing to wait. The people that aren't movie theater, people are willing to wait. And some of them are even willing to pay money. But I think there is still a lot of money to be made by doing it the traditional box office way. And so I'm hopeful that this is kind of the route that we go. Not that it affects me as long as they keep putting them in theaters. Sure. I don't really care if you can stream it day one. I'm going to go see it on the- in theaters most likely. But it, it was fun to see kind of something positive in that direction. Like everything's been negative. Like the numbers were lower than expected or people just aren't turning out to the movies. And so it was fun to have a weekend where people were surprised with how many people went and saw Free Guy. Yeah, I mean, and that's a much larger conversation, too, and not to turn the entire thing into a box office conversation. But like you talk about the last two weekends where we saw Suicide Squad in the movie theater. Same thing. You can go see that on HBO Max right now for free. If you are a subscriber, it's not behind a paywall or anything like that. And that movie made close to the same amount that Free Guy made. And a lot of people, particularly on film Twitter, particularly disingenuously, in my opinion, were just like, oh, it's a failure, it's a failure, it's a failure. And while, like, it's a low number, you know, there are a couple factors at play. Obviously, the budget for Suicide Squad is literally double what Free Guy was. Like free guy costs, I think, 100, 125 million. Suicide Squad costs 200 plus million. Suicide Squad obviously had returning characters, had Harley Quinn, had existing IP, you know, DC Universe type stuff, all that kind of thing. Um, but that being said, like Suicide Squad's an R rated film, a, a hard, hard R rated film, not like a soft R either. There's, there's all types of nudity and violence in that movie. You know, it is available to watch on HBO Max and streamers are just not very forthcoming when it comes to their stats or their numbers, the same way that box office used to be produced um, and and tracked and things like that. And so I, I do find it interesting. And there are a lot of people out there. There are a couple of Twitter accounts out there who comment on like box office and things like that. And they have, you know, an official title and everything that makes them sound official that just completely discount the fact that like, you know, the Delta variant's a very real thing and it's causing a lot of areas to continue to, to kind of close back down and limit the participation of people who are unvaccinated or unmasked and things like that. And so I don't think that that's like a insignificant thing to consider. I was more amused by anything about the language of it all, you know, and I get that the other factors are, are a contribution. I get that existing IP and a 200 plus million dollar budget would lead somebody to say that $30 million opening weekend is a failure. And I get that a hundred million dollar budget and an original IP, which we'll talk about in a little bit would get people to say that like a $30 million opening weekend was a huge success for this movie. I just found it interesting more than anything else because it's two movies that I really liked really enjoyed that made the same amount of money, but there are mitigating factors that, you know, affect the, the, the reaction to it all. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, I was excited. You know, the funny thing is, is with with Ryan Reynolds in particular. I like Ryan Reynolds. I think Ryan Reynolds is, is really fun and really entertaining. But I think Ryan Reynolds has a shtick. And, and I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but it's not always deployed in the right way. 
in my in my opinion. And so I was kind of worried about that. Ryan Reynolds has this smart ass, you know, sarcastic kind of deal that I think he he plays really, really well. And I think was used to peak maximum effectiveness with Deadpool. And I I came into this movie not being sure if it was if he could play like this earnest character. Um, what did you think about that? What are your Ryan Reynolds thoughts? Well, I mean, I think of let's go back to. Let's just quickly scan through some some Ryan Reynolds history. So we'll just go back recent history. So you've got Hitman's wife's bodyguard and Hitman's bodyguard. Mm-hmm. We'll just lump those two together. Did you see either of those? Uh, honestly, two of the more recent films that are seemingly popular that I never watched. Yeah. I don't know why. Just never did. Yeah, I never saw him. I obviously it got a sequel, so I'm sure it did okay. Six Underground, I know we both watched. Uh, yep. Hobbs and Hobbs and Shaw. I guess he was just a kind of cameo, a voice and uncredited. Detective Pikachu, we voice. both saw, did yep. voice, uh, but definitely brought that Ryan Reynolds vibe to to the character. Uh, Deadpool two, we've talked about that plenty. You've got Life, No Good. D well that's uh that's part of Deadpool. Um criminal, selfless, women in gold, Mississippi grind, a million ways to die in the west, the captive, the voices, RIPD, turbo, the crudes, safe house. Eh, There's voice work here and there. Say he's he, actually I really I watched Safe House a few months ago. There's really there's definitely a stretch I feel like in between when he first comes out, um, shortly after I think the uh, two do- two guys and a girl, which mm-hmm. kind of I think thrust him a little bit more, but then you get kind of the Van Wild Vi- Van Wilder, Hild and Kumar. You get waiting, just friends. He kind of has that kind of vibe, and then he goes to the chick flicks with Chaos Theory, and definitely maybe. Um, and kind of plays a certain role. But then I think there's just a stretch starting with like Green Lantern where it just feels like. Yeah. And uh, taking out the voice actors, like we're trying to make him something that he's maybe not suited for. And maybe it was just bad projects. But I feel like once he got back into Deadpool in 2016, we kind of got back on track. And yeah. I think he's been put in roles and he kind of knows where his sweet spot is. And so I agree. I think there's definitely been some roles that have been more effective than others. I think I am perfectly fine with Ryan Reynolds playing a similar character in everything that he does. I don't know that I'm aching for him to go into a real dramatic role and show his dramatic chops. I just, I just don't need that. Like there's some serious actors where I'm wanting them to get funny and there's some funny actors. I'm wanting to see them get serious, but Ryan Reynolds, I don't think is one of those. Like I enjoy when he kind of stays in that in the lane that he is. And I, I really enjoy those movies. Yeah. And he I mean, he worked really well here. You know, I think if, if we talk about, you know, we can talk about non spoilers here, but one of our favorite things and we'll talk more about this. But the fact that this is for the most part, an original movie, original storyline, you know, it, it's not dis, it's not like, oh, this is the first time the story has ever been told like it's almost like toy, like Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story. You know, it's a it's mm-hmm. a, a video game character who's just a background character in a video game who basically discovers sentience and realizes that he is a video game character and realizes that he lives in this in this fantastical world. And um, I just really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed that it was an original movie. Um you were raving about this. Why don't you talk a little bit about how much you enjoyed it was an original, uh, how, how the fact that it was, you know, we, we, we talked, uh, I'll, I'll kind of set it up a little bit, but we talked about how, you know, when, let's take, for example, Shang-Chi, which is going to come out soon, Marvel's next movie. You know, that that is the first time that we will see Shang-Chi in character. That is the first time that we will see this character on the big screen, you know, in any way, shape or form. 
And so, like, it is, quote-unquote, original. It's an adaptation, right? And with that adaptation, you get a history. You get a character that has existed for, I don't know, decades and has gone through these iterations, and you get an idea of who this character is and, and what their ideals are. And when you go into a movie like that, you have those expectations. And one of the things you and I talked about was how it was so interesting to watch the characters grow and interact, even though it's not, you know, it's not, nobody's reinventing the wheel here, but that was one of the things that we found to be one of the most enjoyable parts about this movie. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, you know, we're in this kind of mode where, we're, there's not a lot of original content, right? We're, we're in the world of remakes, sequels, spinoffs, you know, you name it. And, uh, and, it's, and it's happening from there. And I think it's easy to kind of get in that trap where that's just kind of what we make and, and what we've gotten used to, you know, whether it be superhero movies, which we both love, they are great, fantastic. I'm, yes. I'm here for them. Love them. Whether it be... Movies being recreated, you know, Ghostbusters, uh, you know, some of those types of movies, whether it be, you know, things like some of the musicals that we're getting that are coming from existing musicals, whether it be uh, In the Heights that we had or what's coming out this December. Uh, West Side Story. West Side Story. There you go. My boy, my guy. Spielberg. Yep. You know, so, you know, we get another Jurassic movie coming out. It's it's easy to just go month to month and be like, oh, it's a sequel. It's a spinoff. It's a whatever. And so it's just refreshing when you get these original stories. And to your point, there's plenty of this movie that feels familiar. But I think there's something that's great about sitting, whether you're Rick and you read the spoilers ahead of time yep. or whether you go into it blind, there's something enjoyable about learning who these characters are, learning about the world that they live in and having nothing that you're carrying in with it. No, oh, I know this person's a bad guy because I've seen him in 10 other movies or I read them in the comics or I've seen this play or, you know, whatever the case, not knowing, you know, the character's motivations, what their arc is going to be, what they end up being. This person ends up being Spider-Man or whatever the case may be. Sure. There's something about having zero expectations about where this is going to go. Even if you know the story of where it's going to go because you've read spoilers, there's something enjoyable about kind of being diving into that world and kind of exploring that world and seeing that world. And so, you know, it's the same reason I get hyped for Christopher Nolan movies because, you know, whether it be Tenant, even if there are nitpicks that you have about it, it's this whole new world someplace that we haven't explored and, you know, even if it makes my head hurt at the end or I'm confused or whatever the case is, I'm excited to dive in it further um, because there isn't, you know, a comic I can go and reference and it tells me everything I need to know and right. I can get all the answers and those types of things. And so I think there's just something refreshing about it. I wish it was done more. It's not like I want sequels and remakes and all those things to go away because I love them for what they are. But we just feel really out of balance with how many original movies we get and how many, you know, from existing IP movies we get. And so I think for me, it was exciting, not only for that to be what this movie was something that we both really enjoyed. That was fun. It was funny. There was good heart to it. Uh, there was good action to it. Like there was, it checked all the boxes for me from that standpoint. Yeah, but it was also original and it it's fun to see it be rewarded in the box office. You know, I think if we go back to tenant example, like don't get me wrong, tenant did well, you know, well given the times in the box office, but I think overall it was probably somewhat of a disappointment to some degree. Um, and I think there's been other original movies like that too. And, and I can't help, but feel every time a original movie fails to meet the expectations that, we're just going to get less in the future because people are going to go back to the for sure things. Sure. So when we get these new original concepts and they're a hit and they do well, it just excites me that 
maybe people, st- more studios will back more original ideas and more of these movies will get made. And, and I don't even mind the fact that we're probably going to get a free guy too, which we'll talk about later. I'm sure because this movie was successful. So why not make another of them? I'm not even mad about that, but it's just fun to see original content do really well. And, and there be excitement about around new characters and, and new worlds and things like that. It is. And it's not that like original films aren't getting made. It's just that they're not always getting made at this type of scale. You know, sure. this, this has, you know, uh, huge action sequences and it has cities being deconstructed and it has a, a lot of really clever large scale type things that are in the background while like it's major um, action sequences or what have you the things that would really cost a primo amount of money are actually fairly low scale you know it's some of them and and this is i don't think this is spoilers because i'm not being specific here but like you know the the bank robberies that you see in the trailer that's a single set with like 10 people on it like that's easy to do you know there's a a a fist fight near the end that is fairly climactic and pretty simple it's just a fist fight you know between two characters and and while there are bells and whistles on top of it like I think it's really clever in the way that it uses its space and it uses its money because it uses it in a way to build this fantastical world. But then at the same time, it kind of pairs down some of its sequences, but it doesn't make them worse. You know, like there's there's a version of this movie that has that is two hundred fifty million dollars and has giant fighter jet sequences and all kinds of stuff. And, and I just find that's really interesting because like case in point, as of this recording, you know, next week we're getting three, at least not in maybe four, you know, original films. We're getting reminiscence with Hugh Jackman. We're getting sweet girl on Netflix with Jason Momoa. We're getting the protege with Maggie Q, you know, Michael Keaton, and we're getting demonic, which uh, is the, Neil Blomkamp is the director of District 9 and every single one of those is an original film but they're not on this level of free guy like they're all like 50 million dollar mid-budget type things and we may find those more regulated to streaming nowadays you know and that's kind of the double-edged sword with streaming is that I do think you'll get a lot of these original ideas a lot of these high concept ideas but they don't make $250 million in the movie theater. Very, very rarely do they make that kind of money in the movie theater. So it'll be really interesting. But I, I was the same way where I, I liked the way that these characters evolved. I liked the way that it treated, you know, the, all the stock characters. You know, you got Ryan Reynolds playing the, the sentient, you know, AI character awakening and realizing he's a character in a video game. You got Jody Comer uh, playing the kind of soldier of fortune, uh, you know, hacker with a heart of gold, programmer with a heart of gold. You got our boy Taika coming in as the asshole boss. Really fun stuff. Lil Rel, my guy, Lil Rel Howery coming in again. And being like the best part of the movie that he's in. Like he was the best part. And a Warner Brothers movie, nonetheless. Warner Brothers big on Lil Rel, apparently. Well, no, this was a Fox and Disney movie, excuse me. But the last movie I'm thinking of was uh was Space Jam. Space 2. Jam. Yeah. And he's hilarious in every sequence he's in. And it was fun to watch these characters evolve. And you know, I've heard criticisms of like, oh, it's you know, nobody who ever programs you know, wrote this movie or they, they have no idea how programming works. And it's like, <laughs> it's a movie guys. Like I actually thought, and it was one of my favorite parts of the movie is that they actually did, in my opinion, put together a pretty close approximation of kind of what a video game world would look like. You know, they, they, and, and it's in the tiny details too. It's in the way that all of these player characters are, you know, wearing different costumes and things like that. It's little stuff in the background where there's a guy who who's walking around running into the same wall and you just like, that's somebody who's not like, I get that. I feel that deep yeah. in my bones. 
Um, and I really love just the little touches and things like that. I thought it built built this really uh, this really fun world that made sense. Well, and here's the news flash: if they would have gone legit accurate in computer coding and that, no one's going to be interested. So it's, I thought it's not that interesting. You know, not that you and I are an expert in coding, but we work for a software company, so we we have a small amount of of knowledge of it. And I felt like, yes, it simplified things in a great way, but I thought it like was just nerdy enough. And then I think on the video game level, to your point, I thought it did a really great job of like putting little Easter eggs in there of like, if you played games and especially these types of games, you would 100% identify with some of the little glitches and things that happen in these worlds that are annoying and frustrating and things like that. And so, and that's what I look for, you know, like that's what, that's what allows you to connect with it, especially if you played video games, which obviously this game, this movie is very much targeted to some degree at that crowd. You don't have to be a part of that crowd to enjoy it, but just like what's made Marvel movies successful, it's fun and it's enjoyable, even if you know nothing about the world but it also has things that are treats and Easter eggs and little bonuses to people that do understand this world. Yeah. I lo- I really love like the cutaways to different people playing the game because those cutaways uh, are actually pretty diverse. You know, it cuts way to some notable Twitch streamers and gamers show up in this movie just as like commentators and whatever it cuts away. There's one of the funnier sequences early on involves like a couple of little girls playing the game. And I think it does actually a really good job of not only building this world inside, but connecting it to the outside. And I've, and again, I've read some reviews that talk about how like Taika is too much in this movie because they let him cook in this movie big time. Yeah. I disagree. I had, I had fun. Like he's clearly playing a huge, he is clearly going above and beyond to play this ignorant, idiotic, you know, uh, game company CEO. It works for me, man. I, I, I think the relationship, the stuff that Joe Keery's doing, the stuff that Jody Comer's doing both inside and outside of the game. I really enjoyed. I really liked the way that they were building these connections. And there's this, this larger mystery of, you know, oh, is, is there is there a world that these people can live in that isn't this game? Well, and I would I argue too. I pulled it off. Well, and I would argue on the Taika subject, like on the surface, I think if you're just looking on him a surface level, you're thinking he's just cartoonish, you know, larger than life, dumb, bad guy to right. some degree. But I think if you look at like all the things that he tries to do throughout the movie. Like, I think they're not that far off from probably reality of what some, you know, owners of companies and businesses, you know, what their thought process is. They're probably not as flamboyant in in making those decisions. And, you know, it's definitely cartoonish and built up from that standpoint, but like, some of the rationale behind some of the decisions and, and, you know, we can jump into it a little bit in spoilers, I think are, are sound. So I, I thought it was fantastic. I think, you know, it's so fun to see Taika. I think he's hilarious. I think he plays this role really well. I think he fits in with obviously kind of the Ryan Reynolds vibe too. Like, I think he's a good counterpoint to mm-hmm. kind of the Ryan Reynolds vibe and, and in this movie, you know, and this isn't too much of a spoiler, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Taika don't technically exist in the same world. You know, right. Ryan Reynolds character is in the video game and Taika is in the world. And I feel like they fill in kind of that over the top, you know, really going for it in those two different worlds. So I just had a lot of fun with it. I thought everything was, you know, cast. It wasn't like we had tons of big names. We had lots of cameos and, and voices and things like that, but pretty much it's, you know, the two really recognizable people that not that you wouldn't recognize some of the other characters, but like the two big names would be Taika and Ryan Reynolds. And, right. um, you know, I thought everybody though held their own and, and did a really good job. Which good for Taika, by the way, being 
being that recognizable but like yeah and that's the other thing like it's well cast like jody comer is big for her her television role same with joe curie big for being on stranger things you know lil rel same thing so like they really cast quite like could they have spent, you know, $10 million and cast a bigger star to do the same level of work? Sure. But they get the, they get a lot of bang for their buck. And, and I don't mean that as some type of backhanded compliment. Like I do think that does as a genuine compliment for a well-made movie is that you didn't have to spend $200 million to get a plus listers for roles one through five. And you didn't have to spend $250 million to make an enjoyable, relatable you know, emotionally resonant movie, you're able to do that creatively with the budget that you have. Like that's credit to Sean Levy. That's credit to, and also, I don't think this is a spoiler or anything, but I would be shocked if Sean Levy is not doing the next Deadpool just from everything that I've seen from this movie and everything that I've heard about the relationship between him and Ryan Reynolds and all that, you know, and I think it would probably work, you know, I think it would probably work. So uh, obviously, you know, those are our thoughts on a movie, but we have to give our popcorn rating. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to podcasts before, we do our ratings a little bit differently. We don't have a star system. We don't have thumbs up or thumbs down. Instead, we have our spectrum of popcorn. Burnt popcorn means a movie is trash. It is garbage. Do not waste your time, even if you're in your most desperate circumstances. Don't waste your time on a movie that's burnt popcorn. Stale popcorn means it's not great. It's not what you want. I guess if you want to spend time on it for free, go for it. But it's not going to be really helpful in any way. Microwave popcorn is middle of the road. Just like most microwave popcorn, your mileage may vary. You might really like it. You might be unsatisfied. That's what microwave popcorn is about. Movie theater popcorn is you should probably go see this in a movie theater. You should take the time if you can safely uh, go check it out on a big screen. It's worth the investment. And then perfect popcorn means go see this on the biggest, largest screen that you can. If we're ever in the middle, if we're ever not sure where we want to give it, we throw a soda in between just in case. But David, what is your popcorn rating for free guy? So I think this might be my first one of the year, but uh, I'm going to go perfect popcorn. All right. I think it might actually be your first one of the year as well. I think I've, I think I've done a movie theater popcorn and a soda, but I don't know that I've done a perfect popcorn. That's not to say it's my favorite movie. It may be my favorite movie of the year thus far, but I think it just checked all the boxes for me. You know, it, it you know, not that I had a ton of expectations, but I just thought it was really well done. It was an enjoyable time. It's something that I'd, happily go back and rewatch. I'm sure there's things that I missed uh, because of, you know, this world that you're in and the things that are going on, on in the background. I'm sure there's things that are in there that I didn't see, but I thought, you know, casting was great. We didn't even talk about how Channing Tatum is, uh, is in this movie as well. Significantly. <laughs> and, and that whole dynamic is pretty fun between who he is in, in real life and, and who, uh, he is in the game, but there was some, some fun stuff there. And, and, and like we talked about, I think this is, this is securely in the Ryan Reynolds lane and you add in Taika to it. I'm here for it. I I really enjoyed it. Perfect popcorn for me. I, I, I am going to give it movie theater, popcorn and a soda. I'm right there with you. I do have list like little tiny itty bitty minor quibbles that I kind of more want to bring up in spoilers than anything else. But everything you said is completely accurate. I had a really great time with it. I thought it was really well made, really well acted. Ryan Reynolds pulled off the earnest bit um, in a way that was really amusing and did not feel false. Like that was my biggest concern is if that kind of earnesty was going to feel false or derivative or like it's Ryan Reynolds. Like he knows he's in on the gag and all of that. Um, But it actually was way more like the Lego movie and he was way more like Emmett in the Lego movie, but like as a real person uh, and it actually worked really well. So I, I parrot everything you said, but I do have a few minor quibbles that I do want to bring up in the spoiler section. But before we get to spoilers, we got to take a quick little break. 
What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, David, spoilers. Now, obviously, I, I, when we go into spoilers, I like talking about like our favorite things. What are the bits that we like, things like that. But I figure... If I buried the lead in my rating and I said I'm not giving it a full perfect popcorn because of spoilers, I will mention the one thing, the one question that I have, and okay. uh, it's and it's it's not that I didn't enjoy it, right? But during the 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 final fight, so during the final fight when when guy is fighting against dude who is the roided out version of himself, mm-hmm. uh. He throws up the Captain America shield and we get a Chris Evans cameo and then he uses the Hulk punch and then he pulls out a lightsaber and we get the Marvel theme and we get the Star Wars themes and stuff like that. Here's the thing. I love that. All right. I love that. I love the Chris Evans cameo. This was the only time in the movie and as accurate as it is to the way like Fortnite works right now it felt a little bit like a crossover into this, like, Hey, look, here's that thing you all know. And that that doesn't always land for me. You know, that's one of the reasons that's actually one of the things I think that killed comedy was when they just started making disaster movie and superhero movie and, you know, meet the Spartans. And they made these spoofs that weren't actually funny. They were just like, Oh, remember Iron Man? What if he's drunk and pees in his suit? Remember this? What if like and it's none of it was very funny to me. And I just I got little little tingles in the back of my head when that happened, as cool as it was. And I don't think the movie does that a ton. I don't think the movie crosses over a ton into that like, oh, look at this thing or oh, look at that thing. But I do think it it has its moments. So that I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I don't know how that sequence played out for you. I thought it was fun. I thought it. I mean, it made everybody laugh. But I hear all the time about. I, I read a ton about how that cameo got the biggest laugh or got the biggest reaction, and then you know that shit was put in in post production. Number well, one. Listen. And, and number this is, two, it's an existing IP. So I'm like, you know, I'm a little conflicted. Listen, this was their way of firmly making it known that this is a Disney movie, right? That's like very this, true. This this was made as a Fox movie, right? It was developed. Yes. Made as a Fox movie. Then Disney gets it and Disney releases it. They needed to put their stamp on it. And so what better way to do that than do possibly the most recognizable IP that Disney owns and other than Mickey Mouse and put Star Wars and the Avengers in there and then get Chris Evans in there. You know, I was here for it. I enjoyed it. I thought there was a couple other little things. Granted, I'm not a big Fortnite player, but I think there was a couple Fortnite uh little uh odes obviously you had the 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 streamers and that kind of stuff but yeah i think there was a couple celebrations or things like that in there that i feel like come from Fortnite. there was some tea bagging there's some good old-fashioned tea bagging taunting so there's some aspects of that within there but the reason it worked for me is we had already been established this whole concept of like the world was watching blue shirt guy 
and how it was captivating the world. Like we were already showed how that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I thought inserting, you know, a good use of a cameo, a great use of a cameo in my opinion to, you know, throw up a little Disney IP in there as well as, you know, great, get a good, great, memorable cameo in the climactic portion of the movie. I, I was here for, it. I felt like it was very well used. Had it been used as kind of like a sideshow, like earlier in the movie, I would have probably had more of a beef with it, but I feel like the comedic timing of it was, was just excellent in, in that sense. So that was, that was where I stood with it. I, I definitely understand what you mean. I think there's times where you can be lazy and just rely on certain things like that. But um, I also viewed it, like I said, you know, reaffirming the fact that like, guess what? Fox is part of Disney now. And yeah, that's true. And granted, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't like we were seeing X-Men meet the Avengers. But at the same time, like to some degree, I was telling myself that like, guess what? X-Men and the Avengers could be in a movie together. And so, um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. I definitely get what you, you say. I thought it was one of the more memorable, like comedic spots of the movie. I definitely I definitely don't think it was the only one. If we're kind of continuing down that trend, I loved uh, Channing Tatum's. Uh, I don't know what you would call him operator or the, the person who plays his character uh-huh. in the game. Um you know, I love some of the dynamic of the fact that a lot of times, you know, it played to some of the cliche, you know, things that people think about when they think about video gamers, people who live at home with their mom, even though one could argue now with Twitch and things like that, that doesn't happen anymore because they all make way more money than you and I, if they're really good at the game, like that some player of was. Them, some of them do, but they're also like the, the, the whole... Channing Tatum bit is so funny because he plays a character called Revengeman Buttons, which is an incredible name. Fantastic name. Fantastic Fantastic. name. And in the game world, he's played by Channing Tatum. But in the real world, he's played by a character actor known. uh, You you, you know, I would be very shocked if anybody knows his name, but Maddie uh, Carter Ropel or Carter Ropel, who is a that guy. Like he's a great that guy and he's a that guy who you'll know in a second, he plays like the clerk in everything. He was in Jurassic yeah. World as the gyrosphere operator. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, every type of clerk that you can think of, you know, those types of things are where this guy normally pops up. And he's that low. He's like that guy who probably has like 100, 150 viewers like he's streaming, he's just doing his thing. He's got mom back, I mean, in the background. He's like that lower level streamer. I honestly thought that was one of the funniest bits in the movie. That whole thing, Channing, like Channing Tatum delivers the lines fantastic to kind of mirror that that vibe or that, you yes. know, that that delivery that you would expect from someone who sits at home and plays video games and yells at his mom for vacuuming while he's trying to stream. Like he's- captured exactly he's been in i mean obviously he was in logan lucky Mm -hmm. right but it feels like we haven't had channing tatum in a long time where you been channing we got him in hail caesar in 2016 we got him in hateful eight 2015 magic mike obviously but Mm -hmm. then 2017 we got him in logan lucky and kingsman the golden circle and then Ever since then, voice roles does a voice in Smallfoot, does a voice in Lego Movie 2, does a voice in America in the motion picture. Now he's in Free Guy. Love seeing him show up there. Uh, Which is funny that he goes on to voice acting because, you know, I I would imagine most people would view him as 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 a good looking guy. You know, if there's anybody that doesn't need to go to (laughs) voice acting, he would be on that short list of probably doesn't need to uh, to voice act from that standpoint. Probably is getting plenty of offers to play roles. But uh, it was interesting to see he's got three movies that are supposedly coming up. He's got a movie. I don't know anything about dog. Do you know anything about dog? All I know is. 
I, I don't I don't like I stay I try and stay away from movies featuring you know, dogs. You you know who's in dog? Just a random tangent that we can go no, on right here. In dog? Your boy Kevin Nash. Is he really? Yeah. I love it. Big Kev, big sexy. Getting big he was sexy. also not for nothing, he was in the Magic Mike movies. Yeah. That's probably and, that connection uh, there. Probably Lost City of D, which this is supposedly a romantic. About. I'm excited about the Lost City of D. Wow, we got some pretty big names in that one. We got Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Daniel Radcliffe, uh-huh. Oscar Nunez from The Office, Brad Patty Pitt. Harrison, we Raymond Lee. Brad Pitt's going to be in it. Yep. So, like, that one sounds really interesting. That one sounds like one of those, you know, romantic comedy adventure, kind of like a, a game night or a date night, you know, with Corell and Tina Fey, kind of in that vein where it's funny and it's romantic, but it's also got some danger in it. But, like... Channing Tatum, my man, we need more Channing Tatum. His his skills are utilized perfectly. Like he yep. gets to do everything. He gets to act cool. He gets to freaking dance. He gets to act super weird and yep. goofy. And it's incredible. And it's it is literally it's a little bit more of a cameo. He's not used in most of the marketing and whatever. But like mm-hmm. it is one of the better bits of the entire film. Um. I wanted to talk about the action a little bit because I was kind of talking about it in the in the non-spoiler version. But like, obviously, there are these moments where he puts on the the glasses and there's all this chaos happening. You know, there's fighter jets happening and there's all these gunshots and street races and and all of this violence and explosions and all this type of stuff. But what I thought this movie did really, really smartly is it kept that all in the margins, you know, and. Particularly. I think the biggest sequence in the movie and correct me if I'm wrong, but the biggest sequence of the movie is probably when they're doing that car chase and the buildings are closing in on them. Mm-hmm. That's that's fairly simple and straightforward. But again, like the big climactic fist fight is between Ryan Reynolds and a bodybuilder with Ryan Reynolds face CGI on it and Lil Rel. And they're just kind of in this awning, you know, there's no gigantic explosions going on around them. There's no craziness happening. And and I kind of respected that. I respected how it was like this low key one on one fist fight that everybody's watching. And I thought that was just a really clever example of how the action isn't. So over the top, Mm -hmm. but it matters still. Right. I think that's really, really clever. Um, was there any other uh, any other bits or, or or action sequences that you you thought stuck out? I I think we've touched on most of them. I enjoyed the dynamic between Buddy and 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 Guy a Lil whole Rel, lot in guy. it. Little Rel, like you said, I think he's fantastic in it. I think uh, he plays that role really well mm-hmm. and. I would imagine we'll we'll see him show up a whole lot. Obviously, this was a big year for him, as we mentioned. Uh, Great year for him, and and crux of one of the more you know uh, effective like emotional centers of the film is this this relationship between Buddy and Guy, mm-hmm. and you know, buddy trying to, or guy, excuse me, trying to open up buddy's eyes to the world around him and Mm -hmm. buddy being scared about it and being scared about, you know, the possibility of something being outside of his world. And that, that really worked for me. Yeah. That really worked for me. I was really surprised at how much that worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's any more specific scenes or, or things like that, that pop out to me. I enjoyed all of the dynamics we already talked about, you know, obviously Channing Tatum's character, but, you know, I enjoyed all those times that we jumped between like the character in the game and the character in reality, whether it be, you mentioned it earlier about the two girls playing the video game Mm -hmm. to the character in there. And I think, you know, that was kind of a running joke the whole time of like who we choose to, play as characters in the game and then who we are in reality. And you don't always expect those two things don't always match up. Like you had two little girls playing like some dude in like a blue suit and a top hat. 
you know, <laughs> you, you had a, there was like a cowboy guy. There is guy who's got, you know, the the the, the skull mask and stuff like that. And that was the other thing, too. We didn't even talk about the voice cameos. And like I picked up on Hugh Jackman's voice cameo right away. I picked up on Dwayne Johnson's voice cameo right away. But I missed out on some of the other ones. Like I missed out on Tina Fey. I didn't catch her. And I, I looked it up. So I know who it is now. Sure. And John Krasinski, too. But I just thought it was that was a really freaking smart idea of a way to get in cameos without like pulling, you know, Dwayne Johnson off of the set of whatever the hell he's or his Iron yeah. Gym or whatever. Like let's do a voice cameo. I thought yeah. that worked out really well. One thing that I think is underrated about this movie and, and it has nothing to do with how good of a movie it is, but may contribute to the success that it had. And I would say this is true of pretty much every Ryan Reynolds movie recently the dude knows how to market his movies. Like the YouTube videos were hilarious. I don't know if you watched those. They came out last month in July where you had like Deadpool and Korg reacting um, to the movie, which was hilarious. Um, You had the, the dude character becoming an outfit in Fortnite um, right when the movie was being released. And I just think there's little things like that, that, like probably weren't extremely expensive, but like just add to the like viralness of, of his movies. You think about all the fun stuff he did as Deadpool leading up to Deadpool in the marketing of it. Like I was already laughing at the movie and I hadn't even seen it. Like I already knew Deadpool was going to be hilarious and I had only seen the marketing for it. And the best part about, the way that he's marketed both Deadpool and this is that it doesn't take away from the movie. None of what you're seeing is actually in the movie because he kind of takes it out from that. And so, you know, I feel like, and, and funny enough relating to like suicide squad that we talked about last time Mm -hmm. where I felt like some of the funniest jokes we saw in the trailers, like, I don't think we got any of the funniest jokes from this movie in any of the trailers they only uh, they burned the guy reveal or the dude reveal in like the sure. last week. Yep, yep. But yep. like again, like they put like you said, they put dude in Fortnite. What like there's just something about the way like I'm amazed at how effective the character design is for that guy. Like we're gonna just do a bodybuilder with a gold chain. The blue shirt is not gonna be a blue shirt, it's gonna be a tattoo on the chest, and he's gonna wear cargo pants because of course. And then like his underwear band says game over <laughs> just like we talk about like baby Yoda and like incredible character design. And we talk about those and like King shark and incredible character design. That's an, just a very simple, but incredible character design that is very memorable. Yeah. And like shouts out to that. Yeah, it, uh, it, it is. He's, He's one of the better, even when it comes to the other stuff he's doing, because I think he has like, I think the rock has a tequila. I think he has a gin. Um, just the way that he markets probably the rock. Did you know this? You probably knew this. The rock has a $1 million marketing clause in most of his contracts. Yep. In that, like, that's how effective of an individual social media presence he is, is that he has earned a million dollars additional to whatever his contract is, because that's how good he is at marketing this thing. Like it's basically a million dollars out of your marketing budget is going to go to me. And like Reynolds is the same thing. Like he, him and his wife, like just, they take the piss out of each other all the time. There's just something really endearing about that, about how they tease each other and make fun of each other. And the same is true of most of Ryan Reynolds relationships and how there's like this playful animosity that, really i mean you really only have with some of your best friends yeah and and that was really cool he tweeted i think today and he tweeted about how free guy was about friendship and he tweeted pictures that he had with with all of the people who did cameos and i thought that i mean i don't know man maybe i'm a sucker for it maybe i'm a sucker for the media and the marketing and maybe it's all an act and whatever but like i found it really endearing you know, when he tweeted those pictures out and was like, you know, thanks to everybody who was able to participate. And I don't know how, because the logistics of it don't make any sense to me, but like, 
he was there with Chris Evans. Like there's a picture of him and Chris Evans. Ryan Reynolds is wearing the guy outfit and Chris and they're in the bar that Chris Evans is sitting in. And I'm like, I'm just fascinated about the logistics of that. Cause that sounds like something you would just like call Chris Evans up. We got a, we got a camera crew. We're going to shoot like for an hour and you're going to be done. So it's just such an interesting story. And they even talk about it. There's even been, articles about how they talk about how that cameo came to came to be. And so like, I'm fascinated with the idea that Ryan Reynolds is in his outfit. I, I you know, like for the, the, the behind the scenes part of me is like melting, trying to learn more about it. Cause it feels like there's a story to it, but also that picture, there's more to it than that. And I'm just fascinated by it. Well, I think something that may have lended to it is they shot this in Boston and in Massachusetts in general. And Chris, Chris Evans, Evans is a Boston's Boston guy. Yeah. So there could be some convenience aspect of that too. That's probably um, true. But I, I, I felt like pre Disney acquisition, what would have happened in that scene? We would have gotten like a, a Wolverine claw blocking the attack. Something. And we would have gotten the Hugh Jackman cameo instead but then when disney acquired them we were able to go uh we were able to go chris evans and get the lightsaber and do all that spiel that's 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 what i'm going with that's actually a really interesting one now i'm thinking about the fox properties that could have existed beforehand yeah that's an interesting sliding door situation (laughs) <laughs> but but yeah so freak i like the ryan reynolds tweeted that that disney wants a sequel so what, what are we talking about with the sequel obviously this movie ends i think one of the more interesting aspects is that it doesn't end with antoine uh, taika's character like in jail or anything it just ends him it, it ends with him being basically under fire you know the media perception the game crashed all this type of stuff antoine's on the hot seat all that kind of thing and then you have you know, our our main three characters, Millie Keys and Mauser running free life, right? Free life or life itself, excuse me. Yeah. Um in in their apartment. So what what are we thinking? What do, what are we thinking free guy? I already two is? I, I already got it. I think free guy two, we're gonna go similar. I think there's so many parallels between this and and Lego movie. Okay. Um I think I think we're going to go basically we're going to move on to I'm thinking we're going to have a virus. We got hackers that are trying to corrupt this world and this game. Okay, and they are going to present themselves within the world as well as obviously outside of the world. And so there's the aspect of, you know, you got million keys and and potentially Mauser trying to, you know, figure it out and fight back kind of in the real world and Uh figure things out. Maybe there's some fractioning between relationships in there between million and, uh, and keys and that. But I think in the world, you're going to have guy and potentially other characters and that, and potentially people in the real world and their characters trying to fight back against whatever this, you know, invading force is that's a virus that's trying to corrupt and take over the world that they've been living in. That's that's what I'm going with. Okay, I like this. I don't have like a full on plot like you laid out, although like that, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Like there, I mean, if you want to be like, you know, if I want to be cynical about it, they could go Ralph breaks the internet style and just like mm. release release him into like basically the real the, world. Uh, the yeah, like the Steam marketplace and like okay, free guy. Now we're going to have Ryan Reynolds being show up in all the IP, basically what they did with LeBron James at the beginning of Looney Tunes. Okay. Like there's okay. part there's part of me that's like worried that they do that, but there is also, there's something that I think is really unique about like they created AI, you mm-hmm. know, and they created, they created artificial intelligence and they created this world where people can go and watch this artificial intelligence grow and build and stuff like that. And it reminds me of the bit in Rick and Morty, where he goes into the battery of his spaceship and there's a whole civilization in there that he created. He created an entire microverse. But the problem is, is he created that microverse then got to his level of intelligence and created another microverse (laughs) 
that's even smaller. And it's like there is this entire world that lives inside of this game. And it might just be, I mean, shit, dude, even if you take away the AI aspect of it, like it might just be interesting to watch the real world react to an artificial intelligence world going through some of the same shit that, that we go through in the world, you know? Uh, what's it like to live in a world where dinosaurs exist? What's it like to live in a world AI? If AI is truly AI, like what happens if not even it's an outside hacker? What happens if it's an inside hacker? What happens sure. if it's a benevolent force? If it's what, <laughs> what happens if AI Hitler gets created in life itself or, or what have you? Like there's some really interesting questions that they could go with and hopefully we'll get another one according to uh you know, on deadline, you know, everybody thinks it's a success. I think the director's really happy. I think the studio is really happy. I mean, obviously, it's not making a half a billion dollars, but, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic, man. And so we got to take the successes where we can get them. But uh, I'll be there for free guy, too. Me, too. Nice. Well, that is going to do it. We will put a pin in it there. As always, before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet sent to you just by hitting the subscribe button or hitting the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, and share us with your other good movie buddies. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider supporting an independent movie podcast during a time where movies and movie theater experiences need to be supported. That's patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.